Hi, I'm Matt. I'm the, as Jake said, I'm the area youth rep. Uh, hold on, I think there's a slide that even tells me who I am. Oh, there it is. Uh, so I'm the youth pastor at Highway Tabernacle. And this is, um, you know, longevity, keys to keep going. It's, I've had a joke, uh, a running joke internally that I was asked to do this. Because what this means is I am the old youth pastor. Right? You know, like they wouldn't ask the newbie, hey, can you give that longevity class? Um, so I am now the old guy on, uh, in, in ministry. I have been a full-time youth pastor for 11 years. Um, I have only served at two churches during that time. I was at my first assignment for seven years. And I'll celebrate at the end of the summer five years at Highway Tabernacle. So um, I guess that means I know a lot about longevity because I wouldn't let the people get rid of me um, at my last assignment. And I'm not letting them get rid of me here. So... Um, so step number one, don't let them let you go. I mean, there it is. And thank you so much for attending my class today. It was Matt Miller's a privilege to serve. All right. So um, I, uh, a couple things that I just want to convey as we move forward. Whatever ministry assignment you're in, wherever you're at, God did not put you there to fail. God did not put you where you are at to watch you burn in flames. All right? That was just not his calling in your life. That's not what he does. That's not something that is um, his heart for his people is so that they fail. All right. Um, I, there's, there's, there's a website. This is like, you know, if you were in the last youth session, Nate was dropping all these amazing websites on you to go to. If you have a sense of humor like mine, you may want to go to a website called despair.com. And despair.com has these wonderful, they, they, they move in the art of demotivation, all right? So anyone ever seen like those beautiful like eagle soaring pictures underneath this like leadership, you know, cast the vision in the people. Despair.com has that same picture, but the taglines are totally different. Like there's my favorite one. It has like a tree bending in the wind like this, you know, and it's like adversity. What doesn't kill you only puts off the inevitable, you know, like really, you know, I bought my best friend in college one that has the box, is the top of, um, of a McDonald's french fry. And it says potential. Not everyone gets to be a rocket scientist when they grow up. Um, and I mean, these are just, you know, really things to get you going. And, and I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, oh, yeah. You are, one of them is um, one of the demotivators that I love. It says, uh, some people's life are only lived to serve as a warning to others. And that's not why God called you into ministry. God did not call you into this position, whether you're a lay ministry, whether you're uh, full-time or part-time, or you're just like expected to show up and you don't know how you got into this room. God has placed you there so you would succeed. So there would be, uh, there, there would be a pattern of success in your life, not this horrible, like, oh, it's bad. All right? So we're going to be kind of looking on that and some keys to doing that. All right? A couple Bible verses um, that really jump out to me, and I know you guys teach from Ecclesiastes all the time um, in, your, uh, in your sessions, and I'm using the uh, message translations. Don't judge me. I don't really use the message a whole lot, but I really loved how they phrased uh, these couple verses found in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. First of all, endings are better than beginnings. Sticking to it is better than standing out. I cling to this verse. You know, I, I kind of paraphrase it myself as the end of a thing is going to be better than the beginning. So it, it's going to get better. It is going to get better. Um, 
and we'll, we'll talk about this, but a lot of youth ministers, uh, if you're full-time or in a, in a part-time position, their, life shell, or their, their shelf life at a church is 18 months to two years. That's about how long the average youth pastor is at a church. All right, so when, you're, when it's in and out that quick, you miss on the beauty of this truth, is that, man, the end of a thing is going to be better. So if you just stick with it. Um, then in verse 10 says, don't always be asking, where are the good old days? Wise folks uh, don't ask questions like that. That's why I like the message version right there, because like wise folks, they don't ask questions like that. Um, they long for the good old days. When I first got in the youth ministry in 2005, um, the biggest stressor of my ministry was figuring out my top eight friends on MySpace. You know, that was, you know, it was very political. You know, if you had the wrong eight friends in your MySpace, you know, somebody could feel left out. A very personable person. Didn't want anyone to feel left out. And now, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. Listen, like the whole Snapchat question, like I have no idea what I'm doing. I still don't have no idea what I'm doing. But I do know that at some level, I think it works. Um, maybe. I, I still don't know. And I, I've refused to like let those notifications come to my front screen because it just reminds me of my ineptness when it comes to those things. I'm just, I've no, I'm, dude, like you, I was like, I'm there. I, I testified. I, that, that, that said in my spirit, I have no idea what's happening, like why it's cool. I don't know. But I was at open gym at my church and this kid was like, if they ain't snapping it, it ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. Uh, yes, I don't even, yeah, it's like, I don't get it. I, the filters, really, like the first reason, the only reason I downloaded that app in the first place was so my seven-year-old and my three-year-old would play with the filters while they were like, we were waiting for us to get done with church, right? Because that's what pastor's kids do. Um, anyways, and then uh, verse 14, on a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your com- uh, conscience. God arranges for both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. This is longevity, and a lot of longevity has to do with, and that handout that we'll get to in a little bit, a lot of longevity has to do with how you deal with the bad days, and then also how you deal with the good days. Uh, So we'll be looking at uh, uh, those things. Um, The next thing I want to get to is, these are keys to keep going just in ministry in general. A lot of these are just life principles that you probably know uh, a lot about, but I just want to say them because as we move later, uh, a little further on, we'll get a little more youth ministry specific. Uh, but a couple of things that are just personal. How do you keep going? Uh, first of all, man, knowing you're called, knowing that God has you here for a purpose, knowing that God has you here for a reason. A lot of the knowing that you're called will help you navigate dark times. Right? If you know that God has placed you there, then you know that God will see you through. Um, so just know that you're called. If you can start something knowing that this is where God wants you, then you can handle a lot of the junk that gets tossed at you along the way. Um, also, uh, there's, it has to be a constant pursuit of Jesus. I know that makes sense, uh, or it's like kind of like a duh, thank you for that. But in reality, a lot of ministry you can miss Jesus in. Sometimes we read books and we do certain things that get students to fall in love with your youth ministry, but we kind of forget that they're supposed to fall in love with Jesus. And, and, that's, and we have to do the same thing because we can focus on trying to grow or connect with these students or do all these things. But what they really want, what will help them the most is that you have a constant pursuit of Jesus. If they see that in your life, then, then a lot of the, am I cool enough? Am I hip enough? Am I, can I make this long term? will go by the wayside. I have given up on trying to be relevant to students. I just, I just done. This is about as relevant as I get. It's an H&M shirt. It's way too tight. I don't like how it rides up. It's so awkward. <laughs> My wife made me get, like, the, my wife, my wife made me, this is the microphone, my wife made me get uh, the pants, and I had to buy two pairs, because I just knew, like, right out of the gate, this ain't going to work, right? So, like, first time getting in the car, <sighs> like, why? 
are these, these tight? Like, this doesn't make sense. So I have forsook all things tight, and this is as, as hip as I get. Um, I, I, I've had, like, the same haircut for almost ever. Uh, I got saved and delivered from the bowl cut right when I got into high school. But since then, it's been pretty normal. I wear polos. I'm from Naples, Florida. That's how I roll. That's all I do. All right. See, I wasn't, but I lived there when I was four on. So it's amazing. Where are you from? We got to talk. All right, here we go. Um, so a constant pursuit of Jesus, a desire for his presence. And here's what I mean. Difference with like pursuit of Jesus. Sometimes I think of that as like, like finding him in the scriptures or right, a pursuit of his presence. Um, a desire for his presence is found in worship and just how you, how you go after him. Um, I'm also uh, the chapel director for our, uh, in, I'm in Youngstown and we have what's uh, Valley Christian schools as a part of our church. Um, it's a high school um, that has about the 7th through 12th grades, like 300 and some odd students, and I do their chapels. And we do worship. And worship, and it's a very, it's 50-50. It's inner, city, uh, it's, it's inner city kids and it's suburban kids, and it's right down the middle. And worship is like horrible. Like, we, it's just, it, I'm telling you, like, if you want to be discouraged, come to a worship service at our chapel. Because, I mean, like, one, there's like that, I'm too cool, I'm, I'm in school, like, I'm not supposed to worship. Um, but then it's like, now my friends are looking at me and then it's, there's other kids who are like, what is this? I don't even understand it. Like it, it, it's a, it's horrible. It really is. And I, and I mean that with like, we try our best to, to usher the students in and to coach them as Nate talked about the last session, you know, bringing them inch by inch, but it can be very disheartening, uh, to what's going on. But one of the keys that we are trying to in shifting is, well, the teachers would sit like up in the mezzanine, like staring at them, you know, like, you know, like, why aren't you worshiping while they're looking at their phones, you know, or grading tests. And so we we've decided that our next step is teachers sit with the students. How about you worship and let them see like what it looks like and then maybe it'll happen. And if we don't have that desire for his presence, if we don't have that desire to really go after him, um, then the students are not going to pick that up. You know, like you can teach certain things, but most things in ministry get caught. You can teach all you want. Worship, worship, worship. But if you have your hands in your pockets in the front row looking at your clock, waiting for the preaching because that's when it gets good, don't expect your students to do anything other than what you're doing. And on the other side, don't be like, I love Jesus and worship and then look bored out of your mind when the message is being taught and expect your students to do anything other than that. Take notes. I sat in a church for seven years and like notes were really hard to take. Had a pastor who like loved people, was a great shepherd, but he himself would say he was not this great communicator. You know, so like you'd sit there and you'd be like the first point and then waiting for that second point, you know, just waiting for it. It's, it's coming. I feel it in Jesus name. And then, like 35 minutes later and, and, and a recap of Fox News the night before you were like, OK, hear that? all right, we'll just we'll. I'm going to preach for him, because if I'm preaching, this is what I would say from that text. And I'm just writing stuff down and. But you got, they will follow you in what you do, all right? So, um, so like, be constantly in that pursuit. And then minister out of their overflow. Like, minister of what God is doing, if you, especially if you're a volunteer or you're just a lay leader. Like, if, if there's nothing that's overflowing out of you, you ain't got nothing. You just, and, and students see that. And students, now listen, I'm tired. I have a, a five-month-old. I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old with my wife. And last night... My three-year-old was having nightmares in the hotel, and I was already relegated to the cot because the seven-year-old decided that wasn't cool the night before, and he wanted to sleep in the big bed. So I got the cot, and it was like barely me and like this much, and so I'm like already sleeping like a sarcophagus. 
And then when she, when a little girl, and she's a girl, so this is like, I can't be tough, right? I'm like, oh, no, 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 come here, come here, come here. So like, I, I hold her for a little bit in a chair, and she goes, Daddy, can I sleep with you? And at 1 a.m., it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's the best thing that's going to happen right now with your five-month-old sleeping in the pack and play next to me. Let's do this. And so sleep on my side, cuddle. Every time she rolled, I felt she was going to fall off. So I, I got some amazing sleep last night. You know, like I'm channeling my inner elf, right? Like a full 40 minutes. It was awesome. Um, but there's times where we are so just beat down and light. You, know, you got jobs, you got other responsibilities. I mean, if you're not constantly filling yourself and overflowing into your students, deficiency is, is the first step to burnout. You just won't last. It's just a rough place. It's a rough place. All right. So, um, so uh, if we think we have arrived at our destination, we will have no further desire to go. So a couple of things that I'm going to jump into is just about some practical like learning and going into because if you're in here, because I've sat in these conferences before, right? You know, like I someone made a joke about it in our present, presenters meeting. Like I used to be the guy that would sit in the meetings and be like, I could totally do this. Like, you know, one day they'll see. The, you know, the, the diamond in the rough that I, that, am, that I am. And they will they will invite me to speak at these. And then I went to another place and I was like, I hope to God they never invite me to speak at one of these things. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is about, I'm lost as all get out. So I've gone through these things, but I, this is a truth that's always stuck with me. If you think you've arrived, you'll have no, like, you'll have no desire to go further. And in ministry, it's always evolving, always changing. You know, when I was in youth ministry, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're all leaders in here, so I can talk to leadership like this. But when I was in youth ministry, you had to work hard and have deep seated like issues and lying and layers of to get pornography. Right. You know, you had to work. You had to you had to sneak it. You had to get somebody older than you, you had to have a credit card. I mean, you had to you had to be just slick. You had to be really deep rooted in sin to really try to get a hold of that stuff. You know, if, if it wasn't a part of your home already. Well, now, what, 90% of, uh, of 13-year-olds to 18-year-olds stumble across pornography doing a Google search. Like, they, do it on, they, they, they stumble across it on accident. I was at a gas station. I was in uh, North Carolina for seven years, and it was special. It was a special time. North Carolina is a very special place, a little backwards. And I'm in a gas station in a part of town that's, you know, interesting. But I, I lived in the neighborhood, so I'm hanging out, just standing there in line. Wait, i got to get a bag of ice, you know. And this dude, like, throws the door open. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, like, what's happening? This is different. And he goes, he just yells in, y'all got any porn? And the lady, like, at the register, like, stops, looks up with disgust and goes, don't you have the internet? And, like, just keeps checking the person. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I mean, I know I'm, like, pretty cool and all. Like, but Ashton Kutcher, really? Like, you're going to show up at this place and punk me? Like, where are the cameras? This is... <laughs> But it just totally, like, pointed out to me that in this world that we live in, like, it's different. Like, it, the, way I was done, the way I was taught in youth ministry is it, I can't do that now, you know, 18 years later. It's just not going to happen. It's just never going to connect. What I did 11 years ago, I can't do, I can't do now. The, the issues aren't even there. They're, they're, they're so far, they're, everything's changed that if I'm not willing to change with it and learn and be a constant kind of uh, filling out what's going on in my culture, then I'm going to miss out on it. All right. So um, why is longevity in youth ministry so important? This is a part of the message where I get um, uh, introspective and a little anecdotal. Um, I got saved as a 15-year-old freshman in high school. Um, So I spent four years in a, a student ministry. And in four years, I had three youth pastors. 
All right. I grew up at a very large Southern Baptist church in Naples, Florida, First Baptist Church of Naples. Um, so our youth pastors, you know, they're leading a high school ministry of like 350, 400 students. So they were kind of handpicked out to go be lead pastors places. So, but we'd always get the youth pastor that would say, God has called me here. I am here for a purpose. I have prayed the prayer of Jabez. He has extended my territory. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here. And then, you know, like 11 months later, Hey, um, boy, it's been a great almost year and God's called us as we've continued to pray the prayer of Jabez and now we're moving elsewhere. Oh boy, we didn't know this was going to happen, but boy, God's really extended our territory and now it's going to be great. And it'd be like, oh, okay, see you later. Then the next guy would come in. God has called us here. This is going to be the best ever. And then a year and a half later, hey, everyone, God's called us elsewhere. And then finally, we got the guy that, you know, he said he promised. He promised he was going to be there for a long time. And then, like, he actually was there until I graduated. It was, like, all, all of nine months. I was so excited for him. And then, like, three months later, I feel called, and we're going to go. I was just like, ah. So, like, it taught the youth ministry that I was under. Um, one, God, God is fickle. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's kind of fly by the seat of his pants, you know. Like, his callings are yes and amen and maybe nine months. Like, you know, who knows how long I'm going to be there. We also learned to never, ever pray the prayer of Jabez because um, that was just not going to fly for you and your family if you wanted stability. And it was, it was tough. It was so hard. And, I, and here's what I sat. I got called into ministry as a 16-year-old. And I remember sitting there going, I'm going to be at a church for eight years. And I, and I kept that with me. And I, I mean, I was like, I'm a, so when my, my first ever meeting uh, with the youth pastor or with the senior pastor that eventually hired me, his first thing was, we need a six-year commitment. And I said, no, I want eight. He said, slow down. I'll give you six. We'll see how it goes. I was like, okay, okay, cool. You know, so we were at that assignment for uh, seven years into our eighth year. And then God moved us to Highway in, in Youngstown. And I told them, like, I, I just don't want to go anywhere. I just, I want to be where God wants me to be. And I'm not going to, if God has called me here, I'm not going to be the person who's like looking around at the horizon where else God could call me while I'm here. I just want to be here. Like God's called me. I want to find out everything on why God has called me here. I don't want to be looking elsewhere to figure that out. Like, so that's why I think longevity is important because the students that I got to minister to in Albemarle, I got, again, seven years, we had 84 graduates in those seven years and I can track them. I still stay in contact with them. I support a couple of them on the mission field. Some are already lead pastors at churches and it's just the coolest thing ever. If I've gone down and dedicated kids and been able to be that person that I'm still their youth pastor, you know, 11 or 11 years later. They still, I'm Pastor Matt to them 11 years later. I was a constant in their life as we go forward. And then I've been in Youngstown for going on five years at the end of the summer. I start to see that pattern develop as we go. It's just being there. The students know you. There's a stability there. And a a culture where where fathers are are gone or or not as a part, or maybe they haven't grown up with one, having a youth leader or worker who can be a stable point in their life is huge. I only recruit volunteers, and I, and I know there's different ways to do it, and I, I'll give you some resources in a little bit that will maybe even say otherwise, but I look for volunteers that I say, are you called to this? Like, is this something that, you know, if I'm here for three more years, that I can count on you maybe to be here for five, that, that you'll be that constant in their lives? Because I, 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 want, I want people that are going to be willing to go in the long haul. I want people really be, to go along that this isn't... This isn't a stopover. This isn't the next step in what God is going to do further. A lot of people jump into youth ministry because that's the only position a 22-year-old can get hired out at a Bible college. 
right? You're like, and I want to be a lead pastor, a senior associate. They're like, yeah, no. No, you got to buy your time in the, in, the, you know, in the minors and go be a youth pastor somewhere. And so they're constantly trying to get on that next, you know, boy, that just... I'm going to say that, and like next week, you know, it'll be announced, Pastor Matt taking a lead pastor at a business down the street. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, like, oh, jerk. But I'm in it until God calls me into the next one. And God's got God's to be like, hey, 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 look over there. Because I'm not, like, looking out. Like, I, I'm, I'm here, and then God's got to get my attention and take me elsewhere. Man, longevity is a big deal for me. Um, so, uh, where am I at here? All right, so why people leave, stair-step mentality. Um, another thing is that they disconnected from their youth pastor, or from their lead pastor. And I don't care, like, how passionate you are and the wonderful vision that you have for your church. If you're not in line with your lead pastor, then, like, yeah, good luck. Like, this is, it's not your job to lead anything outside of his vision for the church. It's not your job to change his vision for the church. Um, it's your job to, to, to follow what he wants for the church. This, he's actually, I'm the youth pastor. He's, he's actually the youth pastor. Like, if he says, this is the direction I want it to go, I say, let's do it. All right? So, and, and sometimes it's really easy for youth pastors to, like, hide in their offices because they've got their own little thing going. They're kind of running their little mini church and disconnect from the heart of their pastor. Get to know him. Hang out with him or her. You know, do, do what you have to do to, to really get into their world so you, you have the same heart. And when you have the same heart with your lead pastor, boy, it just it, it provides a, a good momentum for being able to move forward. Uh, one thing they're not willing to learn, that, you know, it's, uh, this is how I've always done it. Like, don't worry about it. You know, like, if, they, if this is me. This is how I do things, you know, and I've done things this way for 30 years. And at the 15 churches that I've worked at in those 30 years, it has worked, which that, that was funny because 30 churches. And yeah, anyways. All right. Moving forward. All right. Um, and then discouragement. So you have a little handout there. Um, discouragement is a big thing. Uh, so that's why I gave you this handout. Uh, I can't cover all of that information, but discouragement is something that will all that will that will the enemy tries to use to beat you up when it comes uh, to longevity and ministry. They want to get you discouraged. They want, he wants to, you to stay down. Uh, he wants to beat you up as best as he can. And so a um, couple things there. Discouragement is painful. Um, like, man, ministry hurts. That's one thing, like, I didn't realize. Uh, you know, like, ministry, like, it was great. Like, it's all like bubbles and roses and youth trips and lock-ins. And I did, like, two and I don't do them anymore. And, uh, and I mean that. Like, like, y'all do lock-ins. God bless you. Um, but I find, I find that really, like, team member, youth pastor in the, in the area, and I ask them when theirs is, and I'm like, let's support that one because we're team players. <laughs> All right. Someone, God just spoke to you, and you're like, that's a great idea. That is a great idea. I show up until, like, midnight, and I'm like, man, you guys are awesome. I love you all. God bless you. I'll pick the kids up in the morning, hopefully. Um, so, um, you know, I, you may have heard this. Doug Fields is really good at saying stuff like this. But, like, hurt people hurt people. So you just assume that in ministry you're dealing with broken people. So, like, they may try to break you. And, you know, like, that can be really hard to, to, to deal with. Um, you know, if you've, ever, if you've been in youth ministry long enough, you know that if the, if the student is good, it is the parents uh, is the, it's the, it's the parents have done that. They, have, they are the reason for that student's success. And if they walk away from Jesus, it is your fault as the youth pastor because how dare you lead them in such a way because I would never do such a thing as a parent. So, like, you know, you get to hear these stories of, like, oh, I, I didn't mean to. I, that was not. Your, your kid came messed up. I didn't mess them up. And, oh, they didn't. 
uh, don't say that. I'm a really bad counselor, by the way. I don't counsel a lot. Um, discouragement is always untimely. Discouragement is always untimely. Um, you know, uh, it's the night that you've really put in the emphasis of like, bring your friends night. You know, let's pack this place out. You got like 30 pizzas over here and, and there's like 28 left after the night's over. And, and you're like, what is going on? And oh, by the way, like, this happened at maybe your other job, or this, you're sick, or this is going on. You just got a bad report about this relative. You know, this, discouragement always comes at the wrong time, or discouragement comes at the right, like like at the time, like where everything's great. You know, like you um, anecdote from when I was in North Carolina. We had a young lady who uh, super involved in the youth ministry. Um, she was a youth worker. Her husband, they were just phenomenal people. He was the head sound guy. Um, she was just oh. Like, you know, the youth, the, the, the perfect youth worker that you could ever, and they were them together. Like, he was Jesus in, like, our heaven's gates, hell's flame. They were just this power couple. And we were seeing phenomenal growth. Our, our, our small groups were taken off. I had pretty much, like, taken everything that I had learned and all these things that I've gone to. And, they, and it, was, it was just, it was, it was hopping. Like, it was amazing. I, I mean, I, people were... No, all ministries, and I mean, I, you could not take me down. Like I had, you know, guarded my heart and you know everything, and God was doing this. It wasn't me, but I, I mean, it was. We were just oh, services. Oh, it was just that. You know, like woo woo. Yeah, it was good. Um, so I, we had just gone from, you know, I was an area leader when I was in North Carolina, and I went to this you know the conference, and I spoke a little bit about you know like this is how building a team, because I had this awesome team of youth workers. I built a team. I brought them with me. Is that my phone? Okay, good, because I was like, dang it. Because <laughs> um, um, it's over there, that'd be trouble. Um, so I, was, uh, I had this great team. I bring this team up. I introduce my team. and People come and talk to my team, and everything's great. We get back. I mean, I'm really feeling it. And then, like, that dude was sleeping with this other pastor's wife. And it, and it was, and it, it was woo, you know, and um, everything was great. And then everything disintegrated. And I wasn't ready. My heart wasn't ready because everything was great. You know, like I wasn't ready for that disappointment. I wasn't ready for that. And it really kind of put me in a funk. And discouragement happens whether you are at the bottom and it just keeps you down or it shoots for you when you're at the top. And these are things you got to be got to be careful about. Um, Let's see. Your discouragement is selfish. This is a little harder thing to to say. But your leaders, you know, sometimes we think, oh, my youth ministry is not growing. It's my fault. I'll be discouraged. And, you know, we 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 water, we plant, we sow, we do all that stuff. But God brings the increase. And we got to understand that. We got to believe that. You know, man, it's it's you know, like, what have I done, God? And God's just kind of saying, no, I've given you these few to love. For right now, just be patient. No, God, I don't want to be patient because there's a youth conference coming up, and somebody's going to ask me how big's your youth group, and I got to lie again. I got to start counting the tombstones out in the you know on the side the the shadows. Is there a goat field nearby? You know, like I, I was in rural ministry. You know, I, I feel the pressure of that. You know, well, there's. There was like 37 people dead in the cemetery. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Get the lighting just right so the shadow is really prominent. One, two, three, double that. I get that. And I've, I've, I've sat in those rooms. And I've always, you know, it's, it's tough. But that's, that's God's thing. You do everything that you can, structurally, strategically, leadership-wise, to set your youth ministry up for success. And then you have to trust God will bring it in His time. So you don't like not work. Oh, look, God brings the increase. So I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to do anything. And 
You know, I'll just uh, open my Bible up when I walk up to preach and see what happens. You know, like, no, like, you prepare, you know, like, everything depends on you, but you just trust and know that everything depends on God. And boy, that's freeing. That's freeing. Um, but it, it's, it's good. All right, here, move forward. Where am I? What's, do I have another button? All right. So you got the handout. You're looking at that. I'll let you read through the battling discouragement stuff. You know, be confident. Listen, like you throw a rock at a youth media, uh, youth leaders conference and you'll hit somebody who is discouraged, you know, like and it's not hard. Um, you start bumping shoulders into people and they start crying. It's crazy. Um, one thing I want to look at or want to point out on that is um, take a day off. Some of you are like, thanks. This is my volunteer position. So like, yeah, you know, in your in your dreams. Um, but something I picked up from someone, I'm sure, but I'll take credit for it now because I forgot who did it first. But um, the idea of diverting daily, daily having a time where you divert, just, just get, get away, get some, get some you and God time, withdraw weekly, take a little longer extended period of time where whether you know, if you've got kids, like I got kids, you know, it's like either really early in the morning or maybe it's really late at night. You just take a couple hours and you spend time with Jesus and then you try to abandon annually. As a youth pastor, there was a, in North Carolina, there was a, a, a well-off family in our church. They had a lake house. And uh, most of the time it sat empty. You know, they, it, and when it was in the summertime and it was ready for the lake season, they would go to that lake house. And they gave me a key. And every, every so often when I needed time to kind of re-energize and hear from God, the office is really hard for that sometimes. And I would just head off to their, to their lake house and sit out on their deck and just pray and Get, you know, just, just believe God to, to speak to me because I needed something fresh from Him. You know, those are things that you have to do. You have to do. Kids need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the power of God, and everything else will go through. Discouragement says, you, it's your, you know, you do it on your own. Do it on your own. You got this. You're strong enough. The Bible says you're not strong enough. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of God in your life. So don't, uh, don't listen to that voice that says you got this. Um, all right. So re- read over that. Good stuff. Um, we'll move forward. Our keys of longevity to youth ministry. First of all, sold out to be yourself. I mentioned earlier, I, my style of clothes really hasn't changed all that much. Um, I wanted to. I was joking around with some people. You know, like I wanted to wear like the really skinny things, the deep V, wear that little whatever they put on the back of their head, beanie thing. And I wanted to walk in, you know, like and be like, hey, guys, we'll talk about being yourself. And then have everyone else who knows me like laugh, <laughs> you know, because I, I want to be me. Um, God has made you uniquely you. He has gifted you. He has placed inside of you everything that, that he wanted you to be. We still work on our faults. We still want to be better versions of ourselves, but he's made you you. So Nate, you know, passes out like to all the youth leaders. And I saw some in the first session, like these cool flat bill OIM snapbacks. I don't wear snapbacks. I despise flat-billed hats. No offense to anyone who likes to wear those. That's just not me. My head's too big. Uh, it just doesn't work. If, if really, if you have given me my chosen of a hat, it'd be like one of them bucket hats, you know, but my wife doesn't let me wear those, so I don't anymore. Um, but I just want to be me. I want to be me. I want to have uh, a wry sense of humor. I want to flail my arms unintentionally. Um, I just I want to be me. I don't want to be anyone else. I don't... I struggled with that in college a little bit, you know, because you'd like, you know, I'm 19, 20, I'm at Southeastern University, um, the best college, you send every student you have there, um, and I'm there, and you see all these kids that are just a couple steps ahead of you, you know, and they're preaching, leading worship, like, I want to be like that, you know, but then you're like, but I don't want to have to tweeze that much, because his eyebrows are like just on point, and I was, it's just not my, not my gifting, and I'm looking, I'm like, well, you want to be all these people, but then you come to realize, like, 
don't know. Like, that, that's really hard work to be somebody else. It's really hard work. God called you to be you, not to be a cheap version of somebody else. And, you know, we can read books. I'm going to give you some books uh, when we're done here, just some resources. You can read these books and you can be like, yeah, you know, I want to do that. But also, like, filter it through, like, who are you? Like, what has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? Um, buy into the leadership and vision of your lead pastor. Um, like, when I say buy in, I really mean that. Not like, okay, he wants to hire me or he lets me hang around. So I'll just kind of hang on and see, you know, how long I can buy my time here. Really get into it. Ask him his question. If you don't know what his vision is for the youth ministry, if you don't know what his vision is for the church, ask those questions. Man, really, really buy into it because that will be the best thing for your church. That'll be the best thing for your church. Here's what happens when you don't and you try to build your own kingdom inside the church. Um, the enemy will like get into your head and you'll have those people that will say, you know, you'd be a great lead pastor someday. You should start a church. And you're like, no, no. And then you hear that long enough and then you're like, you're right. I would. I know better than him. Let's go. And then you get out on your own and everyone leaves you and you die. All right. So don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. All right. Buy into leadership. Sell out to who God has called you to be within the context of that local church. And if you can't buy into that leadership, it's, it's okay to, to move on. It's okay to say, you know what, pastor, I'm really struggling with this. I will serve you as best as I can. But I just want you to know that it, I'm going to be looking or I'm going to be praying that God would open this doors. And I promise you, I've had friends who've done this. And, and the pastor have said, you know what, I felt the same thing. I know somebody that I think you'd really enjoy working with. It's the craziest thing. I've also had people have that conversation. The pastor goes, okay, you're fine. Um, and you're like, hold on, that's not how I wanted it to go. Uh, the guy at the conference said it would be different. Um, but it, it, but I've seen great things happen. For, but the thing is, you're not going to help the church if you can't buy into the direction and the leadership of the church. Kids will pick up on that. Kids will pick up on that. And, be, and, and it's not in my notes, but just as a side thing here, like if you don't talk up your pastor in private, you know, um, you just might as well leave. Just please. If, you, if you're like, to, even if it's to just to the core students and you're like, oh my gosh, he totally like did this the other day and it just ticked me off. And, oh, yeah. And like that just sows discord in your church and you are just a really bad person for that. All right. Um, determine to replicate and reproduce. You know, before my wife and I had kids, you know, it was like revolving door at the house. Everyone come over and hang out. It's the best thing ever. You know, we're at every, um, you know, basketball game. And, and, and listen, you are truly saved and called of God if you can sit through like a middle school drama production and like, like not cry. It's just, oh, man. And, and I've done it once. But those were great. When you're, when you're single and you got nothing, no other obligations, no other work things. But once life happens or you're, I mean, you're part-time or no time and there's so many kids, replicate yourself. All right? Replicate yourself. I am an extension of Nate in Youngstown. All right? Nate um, uh, left Youngstown um, in shambles. We were all devastated when he left. We were all just so sad to see Nate leave to, to come to Columbus and be the DYD. But I get to be Nate's extension. So like when I am meeting with youth pastors and we're hanging out, I say, hey, Nate has asked me to meet with you guys and see how you're doing. You know, anything I can do for you. You know, like, and I'll, I'll, let me tell Nate. I'm going to tell Nate how things are. Oh, man, that's what I'll tell Nate. We'll pray for him. I'm, him. I'm his extension. And as a youth leader, the more you can replicate yourself out, the more impact you can have. You know, the, the, the larger my youth, the larger your youth ministry gets, the more of yous need to be out there extending you. Because it was so freeing when I got a good team together that I could say, you know what, 
I would, my youth workers would call back, hey, I was just at a basketball game tonight for so-and-so. I just want you to know that. You know, I just got to talk to them afterwards, encouraged them. And I was like, oh, good. Like, because middle school girls basketball is just another, uh, it's, it's, you got to be called in the ministry. You got to be called in the ministry because it looks more like a wrestling match than a basketball game. It's just, okay, anyways. Um, desire to grow and to be stretched. Um, if you're on staff and you're a youth pastor, you also know that you're not just a youth pastor on your staff. You're also the you know, facilities management, room setup. Um, you're the IT guy because you're young, right? Right? And you just by default. Yeah, I walked into my first church. I'm 21 years old. They're like, oh, good. Can you work on a website? And I'm like, no. But you're 21. I'm like, and? <laughs> like, you know, or like, can you go fix this computer? And I'm literally like, just trying stuff and just hoping it works, you know, like, God, please direct my hands, you know, and it's like, oh, hey, look, it worked. I don't know what I did, but it worked. Uh, You wear so many different hats. Don't be afraid of that. Do not be afraid of that. Um, I I would walk into my my lead pastor's office and he had a lot going on. I'd say, hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? That has got me to places that I never thought I'd be, you know, like I, I would teach our membership classes. I would teach our altar workers class. I would, I would teach all these different, I would come up with ideas and he'd say, oh, dude, run with it. And all of a sudden I'm over small groups and in different times and just so many things that, that you can really get your footprint into because youth ministry can't just be, it's got to be, have a holistic approach. What can I do to impact the family? What can I do to get to know grandma and grandpa? What are some things that I can do to serve this church? Because we can get so like youth ministry, youth ministry, but there's this whole church out there. And if you start serving the other people in your church, they'll start sowing into your youth ministry. If they see that you care for them, I mean, like, I, I remember driving a bus up to the mountains for, with our seniors ministry. You know, they, they wanted to go to the mountains and eat at this one restaurant that old people eat at. And, and then they wanted to stop and buy, buy stuff that old people buy. And they were like, would you be willing to drive the, the, the bus up there? Because we can't drive past dark. And I'm like, and I was like, you know, with tears coming down my eyes, of course I would love to do that. This, but I'm telling you, like, the biggest supporters, the biggest sowers, and they, after that trip, they walk up to me and they say, hey, who needs to go to camp? We want to help scholarship someone go to camp. All right? Man, like, like serve the whole church. Stretch yourself. Don't just be a, uh, you know, just youth ministry world. There's a bigger world out there, and it's called the church, and they need your leadership as well. All right? Um, and then, oh, uh, I know this is a longevity class, but um, know when to go. And I, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean like you had a bad week, so get out. But um, when, all, when, when your knee-jerk reaction isn't to, oh, honey, let me hug you. When your knee-jerk reaction is to, um, is to not pastor, to not minister to, to not love, to not care for, to not pour into. Man, that, that, it's tough to do ministry if you can't do that. Ministry is for the thick-skinned, I, I, lo- I will love you no matter what. I have looked at girls in the eyes and said, if you go on this track, if you continue on this track, one of you will be pregnant. One of you will be pregnant, and, the, and it's not going to be good because that guy will be gone. And, and, you know, like, I'm not prophesying this. I'm just telling you, I've seen this. Don't stop, stop, stop. And then, like, you know, three, four months later... I get called into a meeting and there she is crying and pregnant because the boyfriend said he'd be with her forever and then left. And, and I, in that moment, I couldn't say, I told you so, girl. I told you. I told you. you know, like, <laughs> it was, I love you. Let's, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, we're going to get you through this. And I bring my wife in and we met with her and I dedicated that baby in front of our church. And like, those are things that, if, man, if you're not willing to do like the hard, gritty work, 
um, then, you know, no one to go. It's, it's okay. And then here's the thing. And if, and if God has called you to go, now here's, a, here's the other caveat. If you're there, like I was at my church for seven years, I didn't want to go anywhere. I love being there. I was on community boards. I was in leadership positions. I was all over the place. I had, I had become like a community pastor, which was an extension of my, of my lead pastor's vision because that's what he was and that's what he wanted me to be. And I was there and I was hitting a really good stride. Then God said, Matt, I think it's time for you to look. God, God, I'm about to open another door. And I, I could have said, no, God, you don't know what you're doing. All right. I'm in a good place. And like read off the list of great, great, wonderful things that are happening. Um, but if, if I would have done that, uh, I believe there's a Bible verse. Um, and James, that where God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If God calls you to move on and you say, God, you don't know what you're doing. You pride is saying that and you are putting yourself in direct opposition to the God that you're serving. And how can God bless a youth ministry when its leader is in direct opposition to him? How can that happen? Like, it's weird. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't tell anybody else to do that. And so I had to stand up in front of my youth group and say, I just want everyone to know for seven years, I've never once prayed the prayer of Jabez. And they all clapped and they were really excited about that. Um, but I said, listen, God has called us and it's better that we go. Because if we stay, because we don't want we, we don't want to go. But if we stay, everything that you love about this youth ministry is, is, is going to go down. Everything that you love about what God is doing here, you're going to either God's going to stop doing or you're going to start despising. So it's better that I go. And, and we're going to go and God, we're going to pray and God's going to provide the right person to fill this position. And, and you're going to serve him with all that you have. Like you've served me and God's going to take you guys to greater things because the end of a thing is better than the beginning. So um, let's just believe God for greater things. And, and we left. And, and we cried. Actually, we had what was called the Trail of Tears. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to take that because I know the Trail of Tears historically is this really bad, bad mark on our history. But um, we were, we accepted the assignment in Youngstown and we were driving back down to Albemarle to then announce to the church that we were leaving. And um, my pastor allowed me to communicate that to some people so they weren't blindsided, like my leadership team and some key student leaders. And I usually drive. I'm the driver. But I, we realized quickly um, that I couldn't drive and make these phone calls at the same time because I sobbed. I sobbed. And it was like a you know eight-hour car ride. And I sobbed for eight hours making phone call after phone call, telling these students that, hey, I'm, I know I, I love you and I know great things are happening, but I, I gotta, God's calling me out. Called you. I mean, I just I sobbed. It was horrible. I want to cry now thinking about it. It's ooh, miserable. Um, it was just the worst car ride ever. But that, that helped me realize that, you know what, my heart's in the right place for all of this because, man, I, I felt like I had done things the right way and, and God was just gracious in calling me and doing those things. So um, don't, um, there's no one to go, no one to go. Um, all right, a couple resources uh, before we uh, go into some Q&A. Um, how, who is, brand, like you're a youth pastor or you're, you're the point leader in your youth ministry and you're brand new, like a couple months in. Anybody in here kind of fit that bill? Anybody? Anybody been in youth ministry less than two years? Anyone? Okay, that's good. Awesome. Anyone like the point person? Like, okay. All right, well, you're closest to me. All right, and you're from Naples. This book is where I got the, um, that handout. You see the little note. It's called Your First Two Years in Youth Ministry by Doug Fields. Um, he's a Baptist brother, pastored at a small little, uh, or pastored at a small struggling youth group in Saddleback under Rick Warren. Um, I think he only had like a couple thousand in his youth ministry. Poor guy. I felt, felt bad for him. Um, but he wrote this book, and it's real practical stuff. So his first two years in youth ministry, real practical, hands-on. Don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this. Really good stuff, all right? 
And then Andy Stanley, um, some of these books, like I bought, some of these books I've just had, I've read through, I didn't really mark them up, and I just might as well buy set in my box, like, and not get you. This book by Andy Stanley is called The Seven Checkpoints. And it's just, these are, you know, uh, Nate talked about in a year, how do I want to walk these students through? Or what's the pattern, you know, like when they're freshmen, what do I want to teach them? And then as they grow up, these seven checkpoints, uh, again, this is by Andy Stanley. So, you know, again, another Southern Baptist guy. And um, so you may want to add like an eighth checkpoint, like, I don't know, baptism of the Holy Spirit, because you're not going to read that in here. Um, but these are, it's, it's, a, it's a book on uh, checkpoints of, man, how can I... What are some strategic things to walk students through youth ministry? It's checkpoint one, checkpoint two, different things. Anyone care for this one? Oh, hey, that guy raised his hand. That's not a trick question. I'm not like going to like, you know, and then thank you for this book. Please stay for my uh, short brief Thanks. as I sell Amway afterwards. Um, I see. Okay. Choosing to Cheat. Um, really good book, again, by Andy Stanley. And it says like in ministry or in your job. Um, your family's either going to take the hit or your job's going to take a hit. You know, you got to figure out who choosing to cheat, which one you're going to cheat on your, your family over your job or your job over your family. And he says, like, pick your family. And that's been a really good thing that has helped me uh, and, and kind of visualizing, conceptualizing youth ministry is, is this book. Uh, anyone? Now, oh, look, she raised her hand. She was, she was real quick on that one. Um, let's see here. Um, sustainable youth ministry. Um, this is, hey, it's a class on longevity. This book title kind of talks about that. Uh, why most youth ministry doesn't last and what your church can do about it. It's real practical. It's a big, it's a long book. There's a lot of stuff to kind of go through, but it's really practical on how to help. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, look, he raised his hand. Uh, Mark DeVries. These are really good people. It's a um, kind of family holistic ministry. Um, Thriving Youth Groups by Jeannie Mayo. Y'all can't have it. I'm reading it right now. It's really good. Um, but Jeannie Mayo, uh, she's... She's an upstart in youth ministry. Um, Mayo, she's, she's, she's an upstart in youth ministry. She's just fresh, um, uh, really kind of coming on the scene for the last 35 years. And um, she has ministered and done um, amazing things. She is the pastor of youth pastors uh, across, across the board. She does a phenomenal job. And this book, Thriving Youth Groups, is all about friend-based youth ministry. It's about making your, the atmosphere of your youth ministry friendly, and that's how youth ministries grow. Um, so if, you're really, if you look at your youth group and you're like, there's cliques everywhere, and you don't even like the kids that you show up to, this could be a real practical book on how to get, get, get that friendship culture into them. All right? And then um, every student, I think, needs a good Bible. Um, and I, when I mean Bible, I mean like, like in their hands, they can like flip through it and like write stuff in the margins. Bible apps are cool and all, but um, what YouVersion has done, the Bible has never, never been read more than it's in, in its in its history than what it's being read right now. However, I feel like it's not being studied. It's being read. It's not being studied. So they need a good, strong student Bible. And the Assemblies of God and their Fire Bible is amazing. Um, I, this was like $19 or something like that. And you can buy like leather, not leather bound ones. And they're like 35 or something. But if you have a budget, if you don't have a budget, find a way that you can buy like 10 of these and give them away. All right. Sell them for half price. I, I, whatever you do, get a buy. And these fire Bibles are amazing. Cause listen, what makes these the student version or just the helps in the back that talk about like some of the God-specific things like campus missionaries and how to give and all these different things. All the other footnotes are what they give to train pastors overseas countries. So they're getting 
they're they're not getting like this. Oh, it's neat little stuff here. How to, no, they are getting like Bible school depth in, in, in these books. All right. So if you've never looked at a fire Bible, do it. Your students would absolutely like benefit from this. They may not even they don't, they may be the fourteen year old will be like I'll read it sometime later. But when they get to college and they want to open that Bible and they see those footnotes, oh my goodness. And it's from a Pentecostal perspective. So they're going to get the teaching on the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So you're going to want this. Anyone else? Whoa! Um, so many hands went up. It was amazing. Um, so I, I don't know how hard. Nate, I will let Nate uh, pick on who he wants to have this book. Boom. So see Nate, and then I'll walk over here because this guy's name's Matt, and uh, it's anointed gift of God. Uh, yeah, all right. Hey, listen, listen. I believe, I believe in fire Bibles that much, and just getting the, the written word of God printed on paper in your student's hands, I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. Um, we're going to get done. All right, Q&A. We got 10 minutes, right? And I was even told in our presenter sessions, if we go a little long, we're doing them a favor. Because if all 700 people come at the same time to get lunch, to then go into your third, your third session with your lunch, then you'd wait too long. So, we, so anyways, um, I will also lean on like Brother Jake and Nate for any of these you know, questions. I don't feel like I, you know, I reserve the right to be smarter tomorrow than I am today. So if I don't know anything, I'll just fake it and, and look it up for later. All right. Anyone got a question about longevity or anything in youth ministry uh, that maybe you didn't get to ask Nate in the first session if you were there, like Amanda wasn't? So, um, but anyone, I'm sorry, did I? Oh, Sarah. Dang it. I can't make fun of you if I say your name wrong. Um, all right, any questions? Yes. I got one. Um, so, brand new at the church that I'm at currently um, with starting a youth ministry. They didn't have one. Smaller church. Mm-hmm. Uh, runs about 75 members and had six students that were interested in the youth group, so they asked me to come on board as a volunteer youth pastor. Started the youth group, it's going well. Um, got six middle schoolers for my core youth group, and just having trouble gaining steam. Like, it's just, we like hit this block after the first couple of months, it was all cool, so they were inviting their friends, and now we're into it, and it's just like, I got six that come, there's actually ten kids in the church. But out of the ten, only six come on a consistent basis. And haven't been able to get... Understand, right? Get traction, get some movement forward. Uh, I can't sit up there and preach a six-point message or a three-point message because there's only six kids. A point per kid. Why not? Hey, and for you. And all right. So the question is for recording purposes. I got a young youth group just starting out. Six students. How do we keep momentum going? Um, well, first of all. All answers, they could be, people have different experiences that work in different ways, all right? Here's what's worked for me. Middle schoolers are perfect. Um, when I get into a youth ministry, when I step into a, a new group or a new group, I want to do all my leadership training and pouring into middle schoolers because odds are you'll have them the longest. You love high schoolers, you help them through their issues, but you teach leadership to middle schoolers so that when they are high schoolers, they're an extension of what you're able to do. So don't despise small beginnings, right? So you got this great group of moldable middle schoolers who hopefully haven't picked up baggage from the world, right? You know, they're, they're a little more moldable and you can do this. So, so don't look at it as, oh, they're just middle schoolers, you know, right? Look at it as they're middle schoolers, like they're, they're, they're young and they're fresh in this and I, I can really be intentional on how they grow. So... Um, what I would do is, if I were you, is just is just make that a, make that a family, make that a connect group where they where they see themselves as in this together. Um, 
shared experiences are awesome. Going to camps that make your youth ministry feel bigger. Going to reach conference that you could never do on your own. But when you're sick, show up to join a couple thousand. Like, boy, you, you're awesome because you, you did that. Um, even though Nate did that or somebody else did that, you did that. They're going to look at you and go, dude, that was awesome. And you're like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> uh, so, so be a part of the bigger picture. You know, don't let your group be this. And just start serving the community. Go out, rake some people's yards, you know, do, do these little things to get them going. And then once you feel like you got a good family, that's usually when you can start really them inviting their friends and being a part of the group and doing this. And be crazy and do that lock-in that another per- person's going to host or something. Or you do that lock-in, God bless you, you know, for that. Um, but you do something, little things here and there. Nate has awesome ideas when it comes like to reach days and how you can reach just a few kids and bring them in. Um, but just don't miss this opportunity. So many youth pastors of big youth groups, like when you, when you look at them, everyone thinks, oh, they got it made. Those big youth group pastors really wish like they were back and they could just deal with some small, you know, one-on-ones like, boy, I really missed this time. Uh, and then, you know, like everyone thinks like small youth groups are like, man, the, the thousands, that would be awesome. So they think like youth pastors that are big churches, they want small groups to be able to hands on to mold. Um, so don't, don't despise that. All right. Resources that are out there, but don't don't miss this opportunity. Because you won't have it again. Because you're going to keep growing. It's going to be great. Any other questions? Yes. All right. So the question is, how do I deal with clicks? Um, one, understand this. Friend groups are a reality of, of where we live. Right? So you can look at them one of two ways. All clicks are the devil and they're horrible. But then look at you and do you always hang out with the same core of seven or eight group of people? Like, well, if you do that, then you're in a click and you're horrible too. Sorry. All right. So... Just kick yourself in the butt and move on. Or understand this. Um, I, I attempt to, and it, there's no perfect way of this. Some people, that just, they're just going to be in their cliques, all right? And you're not going to break them up. No matter what, they're not going to break them up. You've seen the movies that stereotype that stuff. It's really hard. Um, but I would, I, I try to get some of the key influencers that are in that group and help them look outside and see, look at all these other people over here. So um, I, I would... We, we've, I've dealt with cliques forever and it's still going to be forever. I get that one student that's a part of that clique that says, look at that girl over there. Isn't she neat? You should bring her over here and be a part of that. All right. Um, and, and then if that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, then I don't know. This may be the wrong thing, but sometimes just let cliques be cliques. As long as they're not disruptive and they're not bringing down people and they're not attacking other people and making fun of, you know what? I'm going to take this group and they're going to be the inclusive group. All right. And then when you make this inclusive group look really appealing, those clicks are going to be like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? You know, like, I want to do that. You know, and, and they jump in. All right. But just know that. Just know that. Be very strategic and intentional about how maybe you set up small groups. You grab a person from this group, grab a person from this group. You know, um, when you do prayer, when you do like prayer times, if you do prayer times in your services, you know, try to get different groups together. Uh, figure out how the demographics of your group are, are set up and then try to de- Figure out a way to divide that click up. Oh, they're all freshman girls. Crud, what do I do? All right. Blonde-haired girls over here. Brunettes over here. Next week, they all dye their hair to look the same. Okay, now what do I do? Now what do I do? (laughs) But try to be, you know, in in getting them into other groups. But just know this. Clicks, I mean, they're in our big church. They're at your workplace. They're at your college campus. They're everywhere because they're in us. We just don't call them clicks. We just call them our close friends. You know, like, we just, those are, that's my family. You know, like, that's what we call them. But we look in youth ministry like, clicks, oh, they're the bad thing. Just don't embrace them and allow them. But if you can, push them other directions, help them be inclusive. Don't just preach a seven-point 
sermon for the seven kids in the room or in that clique and say they're, they're the horrible, the worst thing in the entire world and how dare you do that because that always works. They leave that message and they go, oh, you're right, pastor. I will friend everyone. No, they don't do that. They go like, that wasn't for us. I can't believe they're talking about that group over there. All right, so just be super intentional on trying to get them opened up. Pray. Um, I, we have a pastor on our staff who's uh, been, a, he was a lead pastor for like 20 some odd years and I was kind of the senior associate leads a seniors ministry but he was a youth pastor and um, one year for this big um, big like first Wednesday night of the summer I rented this massive inflatable water slide and I mean it was, we were having this big massive party blowout we had a, one of the biggest nights ever and I went I was like oh this is going to be excited it was setting up oh we had it even like the water slide was even like a little hill so it would be even faster I was like oh this is going to be so good and he were walking through the church he goes what's that and I was like, oh, it's a water slide for tonight's youth outreach. He's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, if prayer and fasting doesn't work, I'm sure that will. And walked away. And I was like, <laughs> like Will Smith after the house was empty, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like looking around like, what has happened with my life and where am I at? Uh, but I was like, okay. Like, but I, his heart was what I needed to hear. Now, sometimes you look at those clicks or whatever problem you're dealing with in your youth ministry and it's like, you know, have I really like gone to God about that? Have I prayer and fasted and really sought after for this like supernatural thing to happen? Because if I haven't, then what am I doing? Like that should be like the first place I go to. Um, and, and like when you read the books about some of the things that I've like put out, you know, or like Jeannie Mayo, like that's what they've done to figure out a lot of the stuff that they're at. So I'm just trying to like receive from their books when the Holy Spirit's like, I actually have this really creative idea that you probably never even thought of to deal with this. And then you do that, and you're like, oh my gosh, it works. And you write a book, and then people try to be you, and it's just this cyclical thing. It's kind of fun. All right? Any other questions? Yes, Ricky. Um, so, I want to know why specifically. If your student um, doesn't come on consistent basis, but when they are there, um, they're spreading poison as like, you know, oh, I don't like how he does things, or why are we here? This is whack. Like, this is corny. Like, I don't like this. Like, just like spreading all this negativity and um, and the only reason why that student is there is because you know their mom and dad are a part of the church people you know and and so you know when they're there it's just like causing a whole bunch of chaos like you know so i just want to know okay um man uh how would i treat so for question purposes how would i treat a student who comes irregularly but when they do come is a poison to the group um, that is a really simple answer that um, Nate, I'm sure, will have for you afterwards. Um, or actually, okay, Ricky, I, I've had those issues, right? You know, and usually it's the church kids that come in with all the negativity because they've been, you know, they, they were born in the pew and they know exactly how church should be run because, that, and that's why they don't attend it. Um, so I would say, if I'm you, I, I would say that person is outside of praying and just seeking after God. That person. If they have the ear of the people, could have the potential to be your greatest influencer when God gets a hold of their lives, right? That could be like a Saul-type person in your youth ministry that on the other side of when God rocks their world will be the biggest proponent that you have, all right? The, the, your biggest fan, and that's what you got to believe for. If you look at that person that way, that when God gets a hold of their lives, they're going to be my biggest asset, you'll look at them differently, all right? All teenagers have all kinds of reasons in the world to be jacked up, right? I have a reason. You have a reason. You got to figure out why they're the way they are. 
because what's happening usually isn't what's really going on. You know, maybe there's something that's causing this. And if the Holy Spirit can give you that, or, or you can, is it a guy or girl? Did you say that? Uh, a, girl. a girl. All right. So if you have like long suffering women volunteers, I could kind of be there, meet with her, pray with her. It, it, it initiate the response. Maybe she doesn't feel like because she comes every once in a while that you don't want her there to begin with. You know, if you kind of break that and say, no, we want you here. Like we want you to be a part of this. Don't give her in, input and influence just yet because, again, you know she's a poison. But let her know you want her here. You value her being there. You are lying through your teeth. But I would take it as you are speaking what's not in existence into existence, right? You are in faith. I want you here. All right? I want you because you're going to do great things. And I have noticed that students will usually become who you encourage them to be. So if you are just... Look, just look at her differently. You are not, you are not the, the thorn in my flesh. You are the soul that when God gets a hold of your life, you're going to be the one that I cannot keep from bringing friends to this group. I've seen that happen, but it, there's so many different ways that, that, that things can change. But if you just look at them differently, and that will like, help you pray for them differently, and just see what God can do. And then ultimately, if they are a Christian, and they are a part of your church, I would go to their parents and say, I love your daughter. I want, every, I, want, I want your daughter to succeed in life. Here's some issues that we're having. Have you seen this in the home? Has she been negative at home? Is this happening in the house? Okay, and, and, then, and then let the parents kind of help you. And if the parents are like, not my daughter, she's perfect. Then you go to your lead pastor and say, here's some issues. How would you like me to handle this? She's a poison. This is really hard for me to deal with. How would you like me to handle this? And then he may say, well, actually, what you don't know is this is happening at the home. And you're like, oh. So... Talk, talk to the parents. Hey, man, I want to minister to this whole family. What can I do to help? How's your daughter doing? And then, okay, let's go to the lead pastor. And if, if he has your back, then, then things can start moving in another direction. But if you look at her from Saul going to Paul, I think that could change things. All right? All right, guys. Uh, if you have any other questions, I'll, I'll be here. I'll hang out. But thank you guys so much. Uh, if you want that fire Bible, just come see Amanda back here. Put your information. We'll get one of those sent out to you. Yeah, and one other thing, uh, Jake in the back there, his session is in room 103, and he's actually doing it at 1 and at the next session at 2.30. So um, if you miss one or the other, but check out Jake, youth and wearing multiple hats. And then, uh, and then Amanda, who is Nate's assistant, she's doing one about hashtag your, youth or your, your, your ministry. It's about social media. So I'm going to attend that class because I need it. All right. Thank you guys for coming. You guys are awesome.